This podcast from Faith Bible Church in Reno, Nevada. Faith Bible Church is a Christ-centered Bible teaching ministry dedicated to bringing the good news of the gospel to the whole world. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And now for this week's message from Pastor Alan Battle. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Greetings from Faith Bible Church in Reno, Nevada. I'm hoping that we can begin meeting here again real soon. I think it's time. The men have resumed the Tuesday morning breakfast study, and I hope to resume the Wednesday night small group soon. Please continue with your faithful tithes and offerings, either by mail or online at our website, faithbiblereno.org or by clicking the Learn More button on our Facebook page, or the Give button on our SermonAudio.com page. Lots of ways to do it. So, let's pray. Father God, we pray that you would use this time now to glorify yourself, Father. We ask that you would fill us um, with your spirit, that we might be receptive to your word, that it might sink deep into our hearts and that we might know you better and serve you better. So we commit ourselves to you in Christ's name. Amen. So we continue with our look at wisdom literature in the Bible in our series entitled Ancient Wisdom, Modern Times. Last week, we looked at the life of Solomon, the author of three of the wisdom books in the Bible, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. He was the promised son and successor to King David. We saw that God declared him to be the wisest man who ever lived and how he was faithful to God, extremely blessed and successful in his early reign. Yet, Later in life, he fell into grave moral and spiritual sin. This resulted in serious negative consequences for him and his people. Yet we learned that at the end of his life, he returned to God, the God who loved him, proving that it is never too late to repent. Now this week, we're going to look at some things that Solomon said about the use of words in the book of Proverbs. We will look at some wrong ways we use words, and we will look at some of the effects of those words, and we'll see how to avoid those words. So let's go to the Word of God. In Proverbs chapter 10, 10 through 21. Whoever winks the eye causes trouble, and a babbling fool will come to ruin. 
the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. On the lips of him who has understanding, wisdom is found, but a rod is for the back of him who lacks sense. The wise lay up knowledge, but the mouth of a fool brings ruin near. A rich man's wealth is his strong city. The poverty of the poor is their ruin. The one who conceals hatred has lying lips, and whoever utters slander is a fool. When words are many, transgression is not lacking. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is of little worth. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of sense. And chapter 10, verses 31 and 32. The mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom, but the perverse tongue will be cut off. The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked what is perverse. This is the inspired and holy word of God. In the first book of C.S. Lewis's space trilogy, Out of the Silent Planet, the hero, Professor Ransom, is kidnapped by two men. One named Divine was an acquaintance of Ransom. He invited him in for a drink, which was drugged, and knocked him out cold. He awoke to find himself in space, in a ship that the other kidnapper, Professor Weston, had built. They were headed to a planet that Ransom eventually learned was Mars. The kidnappers had previously traveled there once before and found it to be full of gold available for the taking. The problem was that they were prohibited from collecting any more gold until one of them came before the mysterious ruler of the planet called the Oyarsa, whom we later learn is an angel of God who was given dominion over Mars. Divine and Weston were both serious scoundrels. Divine's sole interest was the gold, but Weston's motives were even more nefarious. He wanted to ensure the future of the human race by populating other planets. Now, that doesn't sound so bad until you learned that his plan included exterminating all the current inhabitants of the planets. So they took ransom with them because they assumed that whoever went to see the Oyarsa would become a human sacrifice. Mars was inhabited by three unique sentient species who all worshiped the God of the universe, whom they called the Old One. And the Old One had a son named Maleldil through whom he created the universe. And the thing about this planet was it had never fallen. Its inhabitants did not know sin. They knew about the earth, which they called Fulkandra, which means the silent planet, because it had been quarantined when its ruling angel, its Oyarsa, rebelled against the old one. From that point on, the Oyarsa was called the bent one, 
We know him as the devil. In the course of the book, the two villains prove themselves also to be very bent, as the natives called it, and we call it sinful. And that sinfulness reveals itself through what our passage calls today a perverse tongue, or we might say a bent tongue that speaks bent words. And words have power. God created the heavens and the earth through his word. And everything that happens, happens through his decree. And he created man in his image with similar, albeit limited power. And since the fall, that power can be used for evil. Proverbs 18.21 says that death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. The book of James tells us that the tongue is a world of unrighteousness, full of deadly poison, set on fire by hell. So let's begin by looking at some of those bent words. Verses 10 and 13 fit together nicely. Verse 10 says, whoever winks the eye causes trouble and a babbling fool will come to ruin. And verse 13 says, on the lips of him who has understanding, wisdom is found, but a rod is for the back of him who lacks sense. Bent words can be conveyed without actually saying them out loud. This wink in verse 10 indicates some kind of nefarious conspiracy against a victim. A wink can say, what an idiot, or I just lied to him, or hit him now. On the other hand, actual words can be meaningless. The babbling tongue is a vain tongue. These are words that just fill time. They're a waste. This is contrasted with the wise tongue in verse 13, full of wise words that are weighty and meaningful and tend toward productivity. Babbling not only robs everyone of precious time, it brings discipline and ruin on the babbler. But bent words can also hurt others. Verse 11, the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Many proverbs are contrasting two ideas. Here we have another contrast between righteous and wicked speech. Wicked speech tends towards death, which is the ultimate violence. Proverbs 12, 18 says, there is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts. But those words are not always blatant frontal attacks. Malice can be disguised by flattering words. Proverbs 26, 24 says, Whoever hates disguises himself with his lips and harbors deceit in his heart. You remember King David's general Joab? His brother was killed in battle by a rival general called Amasa. And Joab pretended to forgive him. And when they met, Joab said to Amasa, is it well with you, my brother? And Joab took Amasa by the beard with his right hand to kiss him. But Amasa did not observe the sword that was in Joab's hand. So Joab struck him with it in the stomach and spilled his entrails on the ground without striking a second blow. And he died. Just like Judas, he betrayed him with a kiss. But there are other forms of violence. What about the little verbal digs that we inflict on one another? Needless corrections and criticisms. These accumulate over time. And they kill by the death of a thousand cuts. 
and they can be the death of a relationship or create a living hell for the recipients. And people don't want to admit that they treat each other like this, especially within families. They claim to love one another, but their words prove that they're actually hating the other. Love and hate both manifest themselves in our words. So let's look at the next verse, Proverbs 10, 12. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers offenses. We're still talking about words here. There are a million ways we can stir up strife with our words. Jealousy, selfishness, greed, and envy are all common motivations. And then there are those people who simply enjoy causing trouble. They stir the pot and sit back and watch when people go at each other. Now, when it says love covers all offenses, does this mean that we protect people from the consequences of their sin? Is this aiding and abetting a criminal? No, not at all. This is talking about the violence of gossip and slander. Verse 18 in this passage correlates with this. Love protects by covering the sin of another, but the wicked cover their own sin. It says in Proverbs 10, 18, the one who conceals hatred has lying lips, and whoever utters slander is a fool. Gossip and slander destroy a person's reputation. Many victims of these attacks have been actually driven to take their own lives. And these words are born out of hateful hearts. The next verses 14 and 15 also go together. The wise lay up knowledge, but the mouth of a fool brings ruin near. A rich man's wealth is his strong city. The poverty of the poor is their ruin. And we're not talking about actual monetary riches here. How do we know that? Because both scripture and our own experience testify to the fact that poor people can be wise and rich people can be fools. This is the wealth of knowledge, the wealth of godly wisdom. The rich man in knowledge is protected. But the fool is spiritually poor because he rejects the wisdom of God and will come to ruin if he doesn't repent. Now, the truth of this next verse is recognized universally throughout all cultures. Proverbs 10, 19 says, When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. I used to keep a saying in my wallet that I found in a fortune cookie of all things. I saw it every time I opened my wallet. It said, from much speaking comes repentance. It's a constant reminder to me not to open my big mouth. If you don't want to have to repent, don't talk too much. Another similar proverb says, quick to listen and slow to speak. But my favorite one is even more modern. It's, it is better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. Wise people measure their words. Fools blurt everything out and suffer for it. Now, have you ever been around someone whose words you highly valued? Look at the next verse. Proverbs 10, 20 and 21. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is of little worth. The lips of the righteous feed many, 
but fools die for lack of sense. Now, years ago, I was in a small group with a man named Elijah, not the original one. He grew up in Kenya and immigrated to America as a young man. He went to college here at UNR and became a very successful scientist. And he didn't speak much in the small group, but when he did, it was powerful. It was wisdom. It was spiritual food and it was tasty. Verse 21 says the fool is starving for lack of that kind of food. The irony is that even though it is freely available to him, he rejects it. He's like a child who refuses to eat his vegetables and demands candy instead. And finally, this chapter in Proverbs ends with a dire warning for those who, whose words are bent. 10, 31, and 32. The mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom, but the perverse tongue will be cut off. The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked what is perverse. In the end, the bent tongue will be silenced. It will no longer be able to inflict harm on God's creation. It is only the righteous who have the ability to avoid bent words. So the question is, how can one become righteous and have their words straightened out? Colossians 4.6 says, let your speech be gracious. Always be gracious. Season with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Now, is that simply a matter of willpower? You can attempt to fix the symptoms of an illness without ever determining their cause. You can give morphine to a cancer patient, but until you remove the tumor, you haven't healed him. And some people learn to tame their speech, but as we saw, gracious speech can conceal evil intentions. The only way to fix a problem is to first identify it correctly. The 17th century Puritan preacher Thomas Watson diagnosed the problem in this way. See what a blow we have sustained by the fall. Sin has put out of frame the whole of nature. Original sin has diffused itself as a poison into all the members of the body. Original sin has completely engulfed us. It cannot be surgically removed like a tumor. It is more like a drop of ink in a glass of water. It affects the whole glass. So what is original sin? It does not mean that first sin committed by Adam and Eve, although that's where it began. It means as a result of the sin of Adam and Eve, the entire human race fell. And our nature since the fall has been taken over by the power of evil. Original sin includes the doctrine of total depravity. This doesn't mean that men are as bad as they can be. Let's let R.C. Sproul define it. He said, it means that the fall was so serious that it affects the whole person. The fallenness that captures and grips our human nature affects our bodies. That's why we become ill and die. It affects our minds and our thinking. We still have the capacity to think, but the Bible says the mind has become darkened and weakened. The will of man is no longer in its pristine state of moral power. The will, according to the New Testament, is now in bondage. We're enslaved to the evil impulses and desires of our hearts. The body, the mind, the will, the spirit, indeed the whole person, have been infected by the power of sin. End quote. So, 
We can't just clean up our mouth. It goes way deeper than that. Jesus described our predicament this way in Matthew 12, 34. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A, the good person out of his good treasure brings forth good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified. And by your words, you will be condemned. It is the heart that produces words. An evil heart produces evil words. A good heart produces good words. Now, if you ask most people, if they think that they have good hearts, they're going to say, yeah, yeah, I have a good heart. But that's not what the Bible teaches. Romans 3 tells us, uh, the Apostle Paul quotes in Romans 3, Psalm 14, which says, The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They are all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. Neither you or I are an exception to that rule. And because our sin has corrupted our hearts, our speech is constantly giving us away. So, to illustrate this fact, Paul pulls together quotes from three more psalms. Look at Romans 3, 13 and 14. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. What? That is so comprehensive. Throat, tongue, lips, mouth. So how do we fix this problem? We don't. God has to do it for us. I love the way Thomas Watson said it back in the mid-1600s. Another quote from him. How shall I get my heart bettered? And his answer, get a principle of grace infused. Just as God had the angel touch Isaiah's unclean lips with the burning coal, he has to radically touch our hearts. It is only he, only God, who can do that. He told the prophet Ezekiel that he would take away the heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh. He transforms our heart, and then he transforms our speech. This is the principle of grace that Watson spoke of. I just heard an old saying that illustrates this well. God catches his fish before he cleans them. And I experienced this as a new believer myself. Until the day I received Jesus as my Savior, from a very early age, I cussed like a sailor. Now, I know it doesn't happen this way to everyone, but I stopped cussing that day. And I'm not taking any credit for that. I didn't have to try to stop. It just went away. It was a work of grace in me. Now, cussing is just the most obvious form of bent words, but you and I still have a long way to go in taming our tongues. But they can only be tamed through a transformed heart that is yielded to God. We must constantly pray, just like David did in Psalm 19:14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. 
If he's redeemed you, he will straighten out your tongue. So at the end of the Out of the Silent Planet, Ransom finally meets the Oyarsa. And like his kidnappers, he had no idea what the intentions of the Oyarsa were. The angel graciously received him, but scolded him for taking so much unnecessary trouble to avoid him. And Ransom, he responded, that is true, Oyarsa. Bent creatures are full of fears, but I am here now and ready to know your will with me. Then the Oyarsa tells him of how the bent one almost destroyed Mars. And he said, there was a great war. And we drove him back out of the heavens and bound him in the air of his own world, as Maleldil has taught us. There he doubtless lies to this hour, and we know no more of that planet. It is silent. And then he speculates, we think Maleldil would not give that planet up utterly to the bent one. And there are stories among us that he has taken strange counsel and dared terrible things, wrestling with the bent one in Thulchandra. But of this, we know less than you. It is a thing we desire to look into. But just then, they're interrupted when the bad guys are brought in and they're sentenced to be deported back to the silent planet. And Ransom, he doesn't get a chance to explain to the Oyarsa what Maleldil's strange counsel and wrestling with the bent one was all about. But you and I know. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 10. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which the angels long to look, things into which the Oyarsa long to look. Maleldil, or Jesus, took strange counsel with his father and devised a plan which, in which he became a man and he wrestled with the devil, and he suffered and died, and was raised to glory. And now that good news enables you and I to walk in newness of life, and let him straighten out our bent tongues. Let's pray. Thank you, Father. Thank you that we can come to you freely, Lord, that it is your grace that changes our words. It is your grace that changes our hearts. And Lord, that we might become spokespersons for you, that we might also preach the good news, Lord, and, and draw others into this family that you've given us. So, Father, we ask that you would help us with our words this week, that you would give us wisdom as we speak the truth in love. Lord, we give you all the great, the praise. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So our benediction this week is from Ephesians 6, 23 and 24. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Grace be with you all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Go and serve your King. Thank you for listening to the preaching of God's Word from Faith Bible Church in Reno, Nevada. We hope that it has been an encouragement to you and that the Word of God will fill your hearts and minds as you walk through this world. If you have been blessed by this ministry and would like to make a small donation to help defray the cost of this podcast, just click on the green Support Us button at the top of the webpage. Thank you. Thank you.